around here. Captain! Signatures detected. Shield up. Signatures detected. Context Southeast Command. What's happening? Context Southeast Command. Delay that order. Context Southeast Command. This is the captain. Context Southeast Command. Get out of my chair. Chair, 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 chair. We have engaged the Klingons. 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 Welcome to the greatest discovery. A Star Trek Discovery podcast from makers of the greatest generation. I'm Ben Harrison. I'm Adam Pranica. Adam, we haven't really discussed what, if any, we're going to do with the beginning of these episodes. Do you just want to jump right in? I just feel like The Greatest Discovery could be a little bit more efficient of a show and less uh, masturbatory. Well, I was thinking one thing we could talk about is a uh, is a very big decision that the makers of Star Trek Discovery made. They have a post-discovery show, Ben, and in spite of the heroic efforts of the greatest generation viewership. We were not the hosts of it. Weren't even asked. <laughs> so a tip of the cap to uh, to whoever those people are. Good, <laughs> good luck out there with that live show broadcasting from inside the pocket of the Roddenberry Industrial Complex. You know, like I make the joke that we weren't even asked, but I don't know that, that I would have wanted to be asked. I mean, when we were getting ready to do this show and we talked it over with maximumfun.org there were some like some suggestion from the folks that do ad sales uh that maybe we seek uh sponsorship from cbs and we were both like i don't know (laughs) i don't know about that i would much rather i would much rather make all the fun of this show if that's what needs to happen and i cannot imagine that that i didn't i mean i didn't watch that after show but uh cannot imagine that they have uh, anything but the lightest of critiques if they ever speak critically of the program. Oh, sure. Like, like the only reason I wanted to be asked was so I could turn it down. Like, that would have been, <laughs> been amazing. Why don't we yeah. drop right into the second half of this cliffhanger during what could be the beginning of a hot war at season one, episode two, Battle at the Binary Stars. We have engaged... The Klingons. 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 Those Klingons. What the hell is going on on this ship? Ship. Haven't the slightest idea. So this episode really, I mean, it picks up exactly where the previous one left off. Riker is on the bridge. Locutus is on the view screen. He's given the order to fire. A Shelby is recoiling in horror. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, like you, so you saw, you saw this as a stitched together one thing, not a two-parter. Did this, I mean, this moment played for some suspense as I like scrambled to learn how to use the new CPS app. Yeah, I mean, it played for a great suspense. Great suspense in the way that great suspense in TV and film is often depicted. It's the conflict between two people while the rest of the world burns around them. Like, it isn't just a conflict between them. It's everything else happening in this scene. Everything is on the line. But then we cut to a seven years earlier scene. What we get in the flashback is the scene of Michael meeting Captain Georgiou. She beams on board with Sarek. Sarek makes the introduction. Sarek in this scene being far more hospitable than Michael. Michael's a real jerk. Yeah, she's trying to, like, out-Vulcan Sarek. Yeah. And Sarek is like, listen, we're around humans. Like, you don't have to... (laughs) 
You don't have to do that. Like, like the that's person not impressing that, these people. Like the person that comes back from vacation with like, I just got back from Japan and uh, now all we're going to eat is Japanese food. She is not a Starfleet at this point, Michael Burnham. And I, uh, I sort of wondered, does Sarek have the power to blow in a call and say like, hey, my little buddy here, uh, why don't you uh, give her a couple of pips and I don't know, let's call her a lieutenant commander. Yeah, it's unclear, like, the degree to which this is an official exchange program thing. It does not appear as though the Vulcans are getting an exchange student on their end. This is just sort of a drop-off at school. Sarek has pulled the van up to the curb, kicked Michael right. out, and uh, have, a, <laughs> have a great first day. Yeah, like, is this is this how Michael came to live aboard the Shenzhou? Like, how did how did she then become a Starfleet? I mean, if, you know, in the way that pilot episodes and early episodes teach us about the structure of the show, this may be a show that is told in flashback uh, in the way that we've seen it. I'm curious to see how the, how the mechanics of that worked, because uh, she comes aboard and Lieutenant Saru is already the science officer of the Shenzhou, so presumably she... She got kissed into Starfleet and advanced past him within the the intervening seven years? That would explain the antagonism in the pilot episode. Well, here's the deal. They, uh, our, our messianic evil Klingon, Takuvma, is like getting the heads of the 24 great Klingon houses together. Unclear if Moog is among them, but these are a, this is a pretty, like, it kind of has the same vibes as that as that part of the Lord of the Rings trilogy where they meet the ghost army. They're doing the... They, the Klingons have the same, like, hologram technology, but they use it They use it in a much grander way. The people you're talking to are, like, giant in, in, in the bridge. But uh, Takuvma is trying to kind of rally these guys to his cause, and he's saying, hey, listen, like, we've got... We've got uh, we've got four twenty four warring houses, and we're living in a galaxy that is full of other aliens, and they are gonna come. They're gonna come, you know, fuck with us. He's got like a essentially a cult going, where the central premise is Klingons first, you know, make Kronos great again, and. Uh, we got to get the 24 houses united so that we can start kicking ass again. And the phrase, we come in peace, is his, like, is his most hated phrase. He's warning these, these like, ghost hologram Klingons that that's, that's what the, uh, the Federation is going to say when they show up. And uh, there's not, like, universal agreement here. There's, like, one strong voice in the anti-Takuvma camp, and then everybody else is like, all right, let's hear this guy out. It's weird for, like, for someone who is all about, like, purity of race or whatever, like, there are clearly very different-looking Klingons from all these houses. Yeah, and I wondered if that was because of the, like, the the holograms on the Klingon ship look a little bit night vision-y, yeah. you know? Yeah, there sure is a, a variety of, of loaf loafishness on all of these guys and and the yeah. one girl she's got like a meatloaf necklace up there like takuvma has this shit timed up 
like he has a Swiss watch of a plan here because he knows exactly when all of Starfleet is going to show up. It's unclear how he knows this. A, uh, a convenient thing that he knows but just happens. A good way to ensure that that will happen is having an armada join you in this corner of space and just sort of drumming your fingers while the Shenzhou uh, decides what to do. Yeah, it's it, it's in many ways kind of a perfect combination of Hunt for Red October and Crimson Tide because it's like full-blown Crimson Tide on the Shenzhou, but then the uh, the Admiral comes on the hologram on the Klingon ship and is like Secretary of State to the Russian ambassador <laughs> in Red October saying, don't you see that... Our ships being nose-to-nose in this part of space is inherently dangerous. (laughs) Every time they Uh, cut to the exterior, it is like 200 Klingon ships of varying shapes and sizes and the tiny Shenzhou. Yeah, and the the Federation ships that show up are all kind of on the same rough design as the Shenzhou. Like, nobody's got a much bigger saucer section than the Shenzhou, so the main Klingon ship, the... The uh, the huge one that Takuvma is in command of, by far bigger than all of the others, but an, a couple of orders of magnitude bigger than any of the of the Federation ships. And, uh, and yeah, like the the admiral says his thing about we come in peace, and uh, it's on. Yeah, it's it's weird how that statement. Or no, start- the admiral doesn't say it. It's the it's the captain, right? Yeah, it's a uh, Captain Giorgio. Yeah, she uses the she uses the same Hololens technology to speak to the Klingons. Yeah, it's a lot less green when she does it. As soon as she drops that line, "I come in peace," this really gooses everyone in the room. Takuvma just explodes at this. Like now is the time to fuck them up. Fuck you and yeah, your he- come in peace. Light them up, and <laughs> immediately the Federation is overmatched. It's a pretty good space battle. Like the like, it's fun to see the like wide angle as all the as all the uh, phasers start going. And yeah, like the the Shenzhou is getting torn apart, basically right off the bat. What? 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 What's happening? What's all this? I'm trying to save you. What is this? Michael Burnham, our our main character, has not had much to do so far in this episode. Like we've seen her getting sent to the brig, and we've seen the you know seven years ago. But she's sitting in the brig for all of this, all of this fun and games. And uh, as the ships like you know fire upon each other and, and tear each other apart, she finds herself in the brig with like a huge hole in the hull, and the only thing keeping her breathing is the like energy field that they use in lieu of jail bars i love the idea of of how many sides one two three four of five sides of her jail cell being basically exposed to space she plays the demo version of chess that you get on a computer and totally owns the computer into letting her out of her cell i guess the the computer's like default ethical ethical functions are that you can let somebody out of a cell on voice command if it's going to save their life, but she has to kind of convince it that this is a life-threatening situation. Yeah, by describing what's going to happen, it's almost as if the computer cannot... that Like, the computer can only take things at face value. It cannot predict things that are about to happen. 
So what Michael does is explain, well, what happens when I run out of air? The computer's like, well, you're going to die. And then she says, Then ethically, you should open the door for me. Working. Request confirmed. And she sort of uses the logic of that as, well, if your chances are zero of remaining in the, in the brig and they're slightly greater than zero by zooming across the vacuum of space, like, shouldn't that be what the computer's ethical standard is? Like, give me a chance to live. And sure as shit, uh, she convinces the computer to let her out. Uh, a little bit before that happens, there's a pretty interesting scene that I don't want to miss talking about with you, Adam, which is like the ops guy gets the, you know, the classic, like he's sitting at his control station and it explode. Right. The, uh, like all of the, all of the control stations on all starships are loaded with explosives and will go off if you get hit by enemy fire. And he's like, like this this actor is no bueno but you know the the character comes down and is confused and is under the impression that he has walked himself to six bay and michael is there in her cell and she does it's kind of a a little bit of a redemptive moment for her character that she's not like trying to take advantage of this guy that is clearly you know confused and out of sorts she's just you know thinking about him caring for him and getting him where he needs to go um it's it's a little bit of a save the cat and then you know the ship takes another hit and that guy is like ejected into space and that's that's when she has her like psychic conversation with Sarek which is there's this is a little bit of a like we are expanding the continuity of what Vulcans are capable of w slash r slash t Mind melts. You know what this made me think of is that if Sarek melded with Michael and Sarek melded with Picard, then there's a little bit of Michael in Picard too after that, right? Not a bad point. Anyways, the uh, the conversation she has with Sarek is basically like, you've done well, but like you need to recognize that you still have a role to play. You've got to get out of this jail cell and find a way to help this situation because right now it's not looking great for the Federation and the ship and all of your friends. Like you gotta, you gotta get at it. And that's, uh, that's how she decides to uh, trick the computer, play a little ethics chess with her. Did you read the thing about how Majel Barrett's voice was going to be on discovery? I did not. The thing I read was that they had like recorded all of this, like scratch audio of Majel Barrett, like reading different stuff so that they would have all of the like like phonemes that they would need mm-hmm. to rebuild her voice to use it as the computer forever. Mm-hmm. Like before she died, they like made a point of getting this uh, in case they needed her for Star Trek computers. And this is not Majel Barrett's voice on this ship, and I'm wondering, does the Shenzhou like predate Majel Barrett's voice, but the like USS Discovery will have her voice as the computer? Yeah, you know, they keep referring to the Shenzhou as an old ship. I mean, maybe that's all for a reason. Maybe that's to place it in a specific moment in time that that will not be our time for the show. This episode moves so much faster than the, uh, than the first one. Yeah, I mean, there's nothing like a firefight for uh, speeding up the passage of time. The, the Klingons leave the Federation in really bad shape, like... Basically, the entire fleet that shows up gets 
gets ripped up and the Admiral's ship, the Europa, shows up and talks to the Klingons. And um, this is like the the person of status that Takuvma has been waiting to talk to. Like he is the last best hope to stop this thing because there's no reason for us to think that the Federation has a chance in a hot war with the Klingons right now. Yeah. And so, you know, he's doing that. I'm a well-intentioned human talking to a Klingon and hoping we're building some some consensus upon which a diplomatic agreement can be founded. And as he's doing that, Takuvma plows a cloaked ship into the bow of the Europa. And it's like, I don't even know what this ship was. Like, it, it was kind of hard to tell from the way it was shot and the way it was depicted. It kind of looked like it was just like a boat because <laughs> it had like the prow of a ship. It was like a knife in space. Takuvma, what you don't see in that scene is like him making the jerk off motion while the Admiral's talking to him. Like, he could not be respecting this guy's message anymore. And the Admiral's ship, the Europa, like sets, sets self-destruct and takes out that ship. It's a pretty great scene when this ship decloaks basically inside the Europa, seeing that hull fold up like, like carpet, really. Like, yeah, it really gets fucked up. And this admiral who we're taught to hate for the last hour does a thing that is really noble and heroic. He blows up his own warp core and really cripples the ship that killed him. It's the first time we've seen setting self-destruct to take out Klingons work since uh, the third Star Trek film, I guess. Right. We have engaged the Klingons. Klingons? Klingons? Those are Klingons? The rest of the episode, Adam, is kind of mop-up, I feel like. You know, uh, Michael has gotten out and to a great extent has uh, taken advantage of the fact that they are in such dire straits to get the captain listening to her again. She basically did the baddest thing that she could possibly do, but because the Shenzhou is like in such bad shape... She can talk Giorgio into a course of action. You know, hearing you describe this part of the episode makes me think about how we're really seeing two sides of the same kind of story. Takuvma is trying to convince a group of people who may not believe him that his way is the way to go in the same way that Michael is uh, on board the Shenzhou. They're both trying to make a case for their positions and... They're having varying degrees of success in doing so. They're both suffering some losses here. I would argue that the Federation far greater than the Klingons. You know, the Klingons that have died have died doing what they love. (laughs) (laughs) And so... uh, You can't say the same for the Federation at this point. No. (laughs) And so Takuvma's like, this is great. We got... There's there's Klingon bodies all over this system. We're going to... We're going to put them in sarcophaguses and staple them to our fender and I'll do it by hand myself each one of them I guess they're using like a tractor beam to suck these Klingon bodies toward their ship and Michael gets the idea to use the warhead from a photon torpedo and like beam it into the chest of one of these Klingon bodies and they use it to break the neck of Takuvma's ship like like the the bridge command section breaks off from the drive section 
And then uh, Michael and Captain Giorgio, uh, just the two of them, <laughs> beam over to take the Kuvma hostage because the they the beam into the broken to... neck part, right? Like the the yeah. part that's that's spinning. Yeah, the command section. Yeah. If, if Takuvma is a prisoner, then his argument doesn't hold as much weight. Like he is a pathetic symbol of failure rather than a martyr or a, a monster. And uh, it's a little unclear to me why they didn't just get the toughest seven people on the ship or however many spots they have on the transporter pad. Yeah, yeah, this was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Not a good plan. Maybe this was the mission that henceforth made it so that the captain and the first officer didn't go on away missions together. <laughs> it's the Georgiou rule. We get a really fun, protracted amount of Star Trek fighting here. There is not a yeah. closed two-handed punch to be found. Yeah, I was a little sad not to see the closed two-handed punch. Sure. I feel like that is something that really puts puts us in-universe. But they beam aboard. They like take out a bunch of Klingons with their with their handguns, and uh, it winds up being Michael fighting Vok and Captain Giorgio fighting Takuvma, and it does not go great for Takuvma or Captain Giorgio, does it? No, I mean it really pays off the whole and special guest star Michelle Yeoh. Yeah, like I wish. I wish we hadn't gotten a credit sequence in either of these episodes because it you know whenever it. yeah whenever you see and featuring or and a special guest star like you know they're not long for this television world yeah in the way that I think she was sold to us as a major and feature character throughout the season right and like what you want is it to be you want it to be the the surprise that uh drew barrymore buying it at the beginning of scream is you know like <laughs> i thought she was going to be the fucking star of this show yeah yeah and 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 like you know going into this i thought that and then the second you see the the credit sequence it's like oh yeah <laughs> I, I saw footage of michelle Yeoh at the red carpet like or or some or some event for this where there were like three young asian women dressed up in Captain Georgiou costumes that were like losing their shit so excited to meet her and the second she died I just thought <laughs> I thought about those young women and I was like god like that has got to be a real kick in the teeth we have been waiting for someone worthy of our attention what do you think of when you think of male grooming maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next gen skin safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra large Manscaped t shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. 
Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from what am I gonna have for dinner to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. Who are you? Those Klingons? The scene that follows this is a jump in time, Ben. And it is the scene of Michael's court-martial, a scene that takes place with her uh, Federation administrators veiled almost completely in darkness. And me and Ben, the other Ben, talked about two scenes specifically as being a little incongruent. And the first was the scene in the sand drawing the, the symbol. And the second was this scene with the administrators in shadow my guess was that they're going to call the scene back later on and reveal these people uh, in such a way that, oh, we, that will make them characters later, characters of importance. But for right now, this is what we get. We get a backlit Michael just basically eating her shit and pleading guilty to her mutiny. I was very relieved by this scene because, I mean, one thing we have talked about basically ad nauseum on our other show is... How many court martial, court martialable offense offenses right. go by without any seeming consequence? The last note I wrote after the first off uh, after the first episode was, "This first officer is fucking crazy." Yeah, yeah. And uh, 
crazier I, I than you she... would expect a human raised on a Vulcan world to be. Yeah, and I um, I feel like while while the scenario kind of bore her out in some ways, like the way she acted was bonkers, and she gets exactly what she deserves at the end of episode two. Totally agree. The only thing about it that doesn't make any sense in Star Trek is that they give her life in prison, which is like something that I would expect Klingons to give somebody. I would not expect like the United Federation of Planets to be handing out life sentences for this kind of thing. Like kicking out of Starfleet would make sense. Like life in prison seems... Not not a very utopian idea, you know? What really excited me at the end of the episode, and this is the end of the episode, uh, her final moments of being tried and convicted of her crime, is that, holy shit, is this a prison show? <laughs> because then they show the previews for what's to come this season, and it's like, prison ship? Prison ship action? A, a Michael in a in a Starfleet prison jumpsuit like the uh, the possibilities are really exciting to me in a way that that made the first two episodes a total head fake for me like what kind of show is this I don't think we know yet I really uh, yeah like I mean the other things and by that, that I mean see, what genre is it that preview we have some some of the Rain Wilson stuff the Harry Mudd character mm-hmm. and like and I mean, like, I feel like the th- the way things are wrapped up with the Klingons is like Vok kind of takes over for like 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 takes up the crusade that Takuvma started because mm-hmm. Takuvma dies with a with a hole in his chest, and like you know there and there's clearly like not universal agreement within the Klingon Empire. Like this could totally just be a Star Trek show after this. It doesn't necessarily. Uh, have to be just a thousand percent Klingon human war. Right. Uh, it doesn't have to be a prison break movie. It could be, it could be anything. It really, like the, I mean, like, I can't think of another first episode of a television show like this where it's, it's so much about one character. It really may be, it's really doing that Star Trek is a place thing in my mind. Mm-hmm. You know, we're moving her, we're moving the main character around to all these places. She's experiencing not just uniquely Federation things, but what it's like to live in this time kind of things. This time that includes a jail. This time that includes being punished for doing a terrible thing. Yeah. And I think all, saying all of this is is another way to say that I really like this episode because it is such a broad setup for what's to come in it's broader at the end than i could have possibly imagined even like seven eighths of the way through yeah yeah i feel like at the end of the first couple episodes of every other star trek series you knew all the rules for the universe you knew you could sort of sketch the boundaries of where they would go and what they would do but like i could not tell you what episode three is going to be or where it's going to take place and i think that's really exciting did you like the episode ben i did uh i think i like it a little bit more than episode one 
I would say that my like major fear at this point is like, I like, I mean, you know, and I don't know, we always agree on this, but I like those Star Trek episodes that are like multiverses. What could we do with that as a dramatic premise? You know, like I, I have a very hard time imagining that as being part of this series in a way that isn't obnoxious because right now like sort of what it is setting up as is this is a show with one character at its center and uh if something like multiverses what can we do with that happens to one character it is very hard to like write a next episode where that doesn't matter that much yeah exactly so, uh, you know, like I'm, I'm going, uh, I'm going into episode three with some misgivings, but generally speaking, I am really impressed with this as a, as an opening gambit for a lot of reasons, um, both from the kind of like arts and technical execution side and also from a story side. Uh, but, but yeah, like there's, so much about this that could go awesome and so much that could go terribly. <laughs> Michelle Yeoh is a great actor, and I hope she's still on the show in flashback form. She's a great yeah. actor generally. I'm not sure she's a great actor in this show. Uh, she, doesn't have to, she doesn't have a lot to do, and what she's given, th- yeah. she can't really work with. She has, like, one interesting captain moment, I feel like. Yeah. And... And yeah, that that seemed like a bit of a missed opportunity. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely miss her if this is it for this character because I, I think she's great. Yeah, well, this show definitely is not going to be doing any flashbacks. That's not <laughs> part of the part of the you know story structure of this show. Yeah, this is this is very nonlinear, uh, even by Star yeah. Trek standards. So, uh, it's another way that the possibilities are fairly unpredictable at this point. What do we have coming up on episode three, Ben? Do we know, or are we not even doing that? Well, we have a title. The ep- episode three is called Context is for Kings, and that will be the next episode of The Greatest Discovery. Always be context. A, always. B, B, <laughs> C, context. Context is for closers only. <laughs> We need those new episode leads, Ben. We're like we're totally <laughs> I can't do anything with these. We're totally these Jack leads. Lemon over here on our fucking podcast. We got no screeners. We got no leads. We're, we we're, got no gold watch. <laughs> we're doing this blind. We're like crying in a phone booth right now. This is terrible. Yeah, we used to we used to be a machine. <laughs> We've really fallen on hard times. W slash R slash T leads. Yeah, it's a real jalopy. Right yeah. now, this program is. Well, Adam, uh, that'll be the next episode. I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, yeah, we're doing uh, this show. Uh, we'll be coming out uh, the Tuesday after airings of Star Trek Discovery going forward. Uh, we will be doing uh, Priority One messages. If you're interested in that, go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron. And with that, we'll let Rob take it from here. Thanks, Rob. The Greatest Discovery is a MaximumFun.org podcast, hosted by Adam Pranica and Benjamin R. Harrison. Produced and edited by Rob Schulte. Music by Adam Ragusia. You can find Adam Pranica on Twitter at CutForTime, or you can find Benjamin Harrison on Twitter at BenjaminAHR. 
make sure to use the hashtag GreatestGen. You can continue the conversation over at the Facebook group and page, or at the Greatest Gen subreddit. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.